Morning, Church. Today's Bible reading is Galatians chapter four, verse one to eleven. It's also on the screen. Galatians chapter four. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole whole estate. He is subject to guardian and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, "Abba, Father." So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who, by nature, are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather, are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months, and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my effort on you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Simon, and I am short. <laughs> so I,、uh, I had to ask him for the box. I know there's a box here. So、um, before I actually open in a word of prayer,、um, my name is Simon. My wife is Stephanie, and、um, I have a very special connection to this place. So it's in 1999 I first walked through these doors, not knowing God,、uh, and in meeting David Marr, he was one of the Influential people who led me to Christ. I had all these questions, and week after week, he would never answer them. But he would give me a Bible passage, and say, "Read this for this week. Tell me what you think it says." And I realised at that time, it wasn't David who was giving me answers; it was God.、Um, so I'm very, very thankful to be invited here at Bell Presbyterian to bring God's word. But before we actually look at it together. How about I give thanks for the very word of God, Heavenly Father? On this day, which belongs to you, we thank you for your word. Enrich us by your word. May your Spirit give us a deep conviction of how great it is, how much freedom there is in being called your sons and daughters. Amen. Well, I am sure I am not pronouncing this person's name correctly, but in 1972, a Japanese man by the name of Shoichi Okoi was found hiding in a jungle, living in a cave, and he had learned to live off the surroundings—the nuts and the berries, and the frogs and the snails and the rats—and he had been living in this cave. In the jungle for 28 years before he was found. 
And beg the question, what, what, what were you doing there? For 28, what, what were you doing? Turns out that he was a soldier who involved in the Second World War. During the war, the station that he was based at came under fire, and so he ran into the jungle to escape. And so he had been living in the jungle for 28 years because he thought the war was still going on. It had never occurred to him that maybe, maybe the war was finished. Maybe the war was over. And so for those 28 years, he was living in this cave in the jungle seeking protection, shielding himself from a danger which did not exist anymore. Living off the nuts and the berries and the rats and the frogs and the snails, not realising there was nothing to fear anymore. When they brought him back to the city, uh, people, they, they wanted to interview this soldier. And all he said was this one line. It is with much embarrassment that I return. It is with much embarrassment. And of course you would be embarrassed. 28 of your years, you have been living in a jungle, not realizing the very thing you fear is gone. Let me tell you why this passage from Galatians 4 is in our Bibles. It is because God recognizes that for some of us, we are living the Christian life in a spiritual jungle, in a spiritual cave, living off the nuts and the berries and the frogs and the snails, not realizing there's freedom in God. There's freedom. Because of Jesus, God is now our Father. And so we can live as his children, not as slaves. And that really is the first point of our passage this morning. He says the life of slavery is our past. The life of slavery is our past. And he compared the life of a slave with the life of a child or an heir. This is what it says. says, What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Well, an heir is someone who will inherit someone else's possessions when that person passes away. I'm sure some of you guys might have a will. Seth and I have a will. And we have decided that should something happened to both of us before our son turns 18, a lot of what we own would be kept for him until he becomes an adult. Our son is the heir to most of our possessions. That's what an heir is. And in these verses, Paul compares a slave to an heir. But 
even though we know there's a very, very big difference between a slave and an heir, I think they're very different, Paul actually wants to talk what is the same. He says, as long as an heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. How are they the same? Well, he says, while an heir is a child, in some sense they do live like a slave. Kids have to do what their parents say, like a slave has to do what their master says. Kids will get rewarded and disciplined and punished for their behavior in the same way a slave would also be rewarded or punished for their behavior. Kids own nothing. Slaves own nothing. In some sense, they are very similar. And that's the point that Paul makes at the end of this section. Verse 3 says, So also, when we were children... We were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. Paul's talking about our past. He says our past, our old way of living, before we came to know Jesus, that's slavery. He said this is the life that we've left behind. Slavery to the rules and being disciplined, this, this, this basic principles of the world. Like I said, I've got a very special history with this church. It was my very first sermon in this building. Over ten years ago. I was very nervous. And someone said to me, Are you ready? Is your talk ready? And I said, I'm... I'm actually a bit nervous because I think my sermon today is going to make people feel really guilty. And this is what she said to me. But isn't that what you're meant to do? And I can't remember what I said in response, right? But it's a memory I've held on until this day. Because I think her response spoke volumes about what she thought of God. She was a regular member of church. She was a Christian. She was in my Bible study group. And yet, in her head, she had this picture of God. God is meant to make me feel guilty. I've always wondered since then how many of us think like that of God. He is meant to make me feel guilty. I don't think we'd put it in those ways. I think it's a bit extreme. But have you ever felt that way about your relationship with God? He is the boss. You're just the employee. You just got to do what you're told. God's the master. You're just the slave. And so, you know, we go to church, we go to our Bible study groups, and we serve, and we know we're meant to read the Bible. But sometimes we have this nagging suspicion or this nagging feeling. It's about what we've got to keep doing to keep being a Christian. I've got to go to church. I've got to read the Bible. I should be telling people the gospel. I should be serving in ministry. If you can 
that picture is you this morning. This is what God wants to say to you. You're living in the jungle. You're living in a cave. That's the life of a slave. But that's the life we used to have. That's, that's cave living, that's slave living, that's spiritually feeding off the nuts and the berries and the, ruts, uh, the, uh, the rats and the snails. Hiding in this cave living in fear of this God who is out to make you feel guilty and make you do things. That's not Christian living. God wants you and I to know what we have today is the life of a child. The life as a child of God is our present. Verse 4, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive the full rights as sons. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Simple question. What is the gospel? I like to say it's a problem and a solution. The problem is that we are sinful and we rejected God. The solution is Jesus who gave himself up by dying for our sins. The problem is that we are sinful. The solution is God sent Jesus to die for our sins. That is the gospel. I've been a Christian for over 20 years now, and as I've grown up, I've always been told the gospel, that God sent Jesus to die for our sins to save us. It's the very same message I preach Sunday in, Sunday out. But that's not what Paul says here this morning. That's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say that Jesus died to save us. That's not what he says here this morning. He says Jesus came so that you and I might receive the full rights as sons. That you and I might receive adoption as God's children. Why did Jesus come? End of verse 5. So that we might receive full rights as sons. So that you and I might be called daughters and sons of God. So that you and I might be called his own children. This is the life that we have right now. We are his children. Let me tell you what is better than being saved from the wrath of God. Let me tell you what is better than being saved from God's judgment. Let me tell you what is better than having assurance in death. It is being called his child. That's better. Another Christian put it this way. Adoption is the higher blessing than justification. I certainly don't want to downplay justification for one moment, that we are made right with God. 
But the focus of justification is law. Adoption is about relationship. Adoption is the crowning blessing to which justification paves the way to. That God is our Father and we are his children. Here is what you and I need to do the next time you and I question our salvation. The next time you and I question if we are really saved, here is what you and I need to do. You and I need to hear the voice of God that speaks from this word that says, You are my son and you are my daughter. And you will always be. Being a child is permanent. It is permanent. When I was thinking about this doctrine of adoption, I decided to have a word with my own son, Toby. And this is what I said to him. I said, Toby, here's something I want you to remember. No matter what you do, no matter what you become in life, you will always be my son. And I will always be your father. What can any son do such that he ceases to become his father's child? What can any daughter do such that she ceases to become her father's child? Nothing. Verse 6, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. God sent the spirit of his own son, Jesus, into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. It's interesting, that phrase, Abba, Father, only one person ever said that. It was Jesus. On his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus cried out, Abba, Father. The spirit of that son is the same spirit in our hearts this morning. When you and I sing to the Father and pray to the Father, That voice that comes from our mouths is from the same spirit, the spirit of his son. Sometimes I wonder if one of the heart issues of a spiritual life isn't so much that we don't know the gospel that Jesus died for our sins, It is that we doubt that he genuinely does love us as the Father. It's not that we don't believe the truths of the gospel. We doubt that we are truly loved by the Father. One of the things that 
really breaks my heart in ministry is meeting up with young men who've told me, I never had a father. Or their fathers did awful things. And so the experience of having a father so overshadows the one that we have in Christ. This father is the father you and I need. This father is the father who always treats his sons and daughters right. And everything God does for us as his father flows out of his relationship to us as his secure children in him. God once said this about his son Jesus when he was being baptized. He said, you are my son whom I love With you, I am well pleased. And if you and I are sons of God, God, with the same spirit, the same spirit that's in Christ, and if we truly believe that Christ has given us his perfect record, as our children this morning just heard, then you and I can hear the voice of God that says to you and me this morning, You are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And if you and I are God's children, then you and I can stop living like slaves and start living freedom as his sons and daughters. Verse 8, formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all the reason? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. In this original letter, Paul's writing to the Galatians and they were starting to turn their backs on the gospel and heading back to a life of law-keeping to earn the approval of God. That's what he says when he says, you're observing all these special days and seasons, months and seasons, years and years. Why would you do that? Why would you go back to this life of duty and guilt and obligation? That's like the Japanese soldier, right? That's like the Japanese soldier having brought back to the city. He's realized there's no war to be afraid of. And he says, I'm going to go back to live in the jungle, actually. I'm going to go back to live off the snails and the rats and the berries. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And that is what Paul is saying here. If slavery was our past, and we have gone the Father, and we as children today, then we do not live like slaves. We have freedom, and we live as free people. It's like the girl who once said to me, but isn't God meant to make you feel guilty? Surely that's a miserable life to live. It is. 
That's a weak and miserable life to live underneath the God who loves us. That's slavery. That's going backwards. A few years back, I was speaking to a person who was thinking about Christianity. He was gay. And he was living in a sexual relationship with another man. And we talked a bit about what the Bible says about sexuality. And I got pretty nervous, to be honest. Being a minister... It's not every day that someone wants to speak to you about these things. You know what made it harder was, as I was speaking, there were four other people who were also not Christians in the room listening to us talk. And they were very interested in how this one was going to go down. He said to me, Simon, just, just so I'm clear, if I were to become a Christian... It would be wrong for me to have sex with my partner. I said, yes. That, that is what the Bible says. And he said, okay, look, let's, let's just leave, leave the whole right and wrong thing aside for a second. And he said, you, want, you know, Simon, you have to understand. As long as I have ever known, I have never been attracted to women. Never. In fact, the very thought of being a woman is just, oh, just, just can't do it. And I've always been attracted to men. And so you have to understand that what you are asking of me, if I were to become a Christian... That is such an unappealing life. That's a miserable life. You're telling me that if I became a Christian, I would have to squash this, what for me is a natural desire. You've got to understand how unattractive that life is for me, right? I mean, what are you supposed to say, right? Because in many ways, he's right. His most basic Natural instinct. And the Bible says, no. You cannot do that. That would be a miserable life, wouldn't it? This is what I said to him. You know, the key message of Christianity is that you and I have wronged God to such a degree that we deserve his punishment. But because God loves us so much, he sent Jesus to die a humiliating, painful death that we deserved so that we could be right with God. But I tell you what will happen if you really accept this message, if you really comprehend that this God does love you to that degree, that he would suffer that much for you to bring you to him, 
I tell you what will happen. You will want to live God's ways. You will want to live God's ways because he loves you. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that all of a sudden you're going to start being attracted to women. I'm not saying you're going to get married and have kids. What I am saying is because you understand how much he loves you. You will want to live his ways. He sat there for a few moments and he said, Okay, I get that. I understand. You know, I wish I'd said this afterwards. I totally miss it, but I wish I'd said to him afterwards, well then the real question for you isn't so much whether this is right or wrong. The real question is, Do you believe that God loves you this much because of what Jesus did for you? I tell you what happens when the Spirit gives us that such deep conviction that we are loved by him. Coming here on Sunday mornings, is beautiful. Hearing the Bible read becomes delightful. Having these opportunities to serve the church and God becomes a privilege. Living underneath God turns from this is what I should be doing to this is what I want to be doing. Life as a son and daughter of God isn't about the what I have to do. But when we understand how much we are loved by God, it turns into this is what I want to do. Let me end by way of story. A young slave girl watched in fear as she was being auctioned off to the highest bidder. The bids went up. The bids got slower. Sold to the highest bidder and she knew life could only get worse now that she was sold. The man who took her away from the auction house walked alongside her and said to her, Young lady, you are free. And he said, What what do you mean by that? He said, It means you are free. You mean, I can say whatever I want to say. And he said, Yes, you can say whatever you want to say. You mean... I can be whatever I want to be. He said, yes, young lady, you can be whatever you want to be. He said, and, and, and I can go wherever I want to go. 
said, yes, young lady, you can go wherever you want to go. And she replied with, then I will go with you. I will go with you. Brothers and sisters, you and I are not slaves. We're sons and daughters with a great father who sent his own son. So do not live lives as slaves. We live as his children. Amen.